You're listening to the Quince podcast. Fifteen June twenty twenty will go down in history as the day when twenty Indian troops, including their commanding officer, died in clashes with PLS soldiers at Galwan Valley. Although both countries have had several standoffs over the year, these were the first casualties at the LAC since nineteen seventy five. One year since these fatal cases, there have been economic sanctions on Chinese companies in India and FDI from China. Bans have been imposed on 59 Chinese-made apps in India, some of them being really popular apps like TikTok and PUBG. There have also been 11 rounds of talks between the two sides, which have been unsuccessful to bring about complete disengagement. There has been some amount of disengagement at the Galwan side and some in the Pengongso Lake area as well. But one thing became clear. the old neighbors consider the boundary question in fundamentally different ways even external affairs minister sj shankar stated earlier this month that relations with china is at a crossroads so where does the india china relationship stand a year after the galwan valley clashes is it time for india to go back to the drawing board to rethink its policy on china for this episode we spoke with vishnu prakash who is the former high commissioner to canada ambassador to south korea and official spokesperson of the ministry of external affairs and Manoj Joshi a distinguished fellow at the Observer Research Foundation you will also hear from Namrata Kumari the wife of the martyr Kundan Ohja you tuned in to the big story the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you and i'm your host himmat On the first anniversary of the Galwan clashes, the Indian Army paid tribute to the 20 soldiers who lost their lives. Leading the homage to the soldiers, Army Chief General M M Narawane stated that their valor will be eternally etched in the memory of the nation. A statue of Colonel Santosh Babu, the commanding officer of the 16th Bihar Regiment, was also unveiled at his native place in Suryapat in Telangana by Minister K T Ramarao. Havildar K Palani, Nayab Subedar Nuduram Soren, Nayak Deepak Singh and Supai Gurtej Singh were awarded the Veer Chakra medal posthumously. Apart from the army, leaders from across the political spectrum also paid their tributes to the martyrs. Congress chief Sonia Gandhi said that her party is patiently waiting for the center to come clean and inform the nation on the circumstances which led to the conflict. Delhi Chief Minister and AAP Supremo Arvind Kejriwal said on Twitter that the country will remain indebted to the immortal sacrifice of the soldiers. But even so the unfortunate reality is that the next of kin of some martyrs have not received the compensation that they deserve Supai Kundan Hoja from Jharkhand was among the 20 soldiers who were martyred and is survived by his wife Namrata and daughter Diksha Kundan last spoke to his wife when his daughter was born just 17 days before the clash Soon after the incident the Jharkhand state government promised Namrata a number of things including a free plot of land and even a petrol pump However according to Namrata only the rupees 10 lakh ex gratia compensation has been provided to her so far speaking to the quint she said that she needs a job to independently raise their daughter adding that rupees 10 lakh won't last all her life hamare pati desh ke liye shaheed hue hain ladti ladti jang hui wo apni jaan ki aabooti de chuke lekin sarkar abhi tak shaheed ki patni ke liye kuch bhi nahi kar paaye wo hum logon ne kitne satne sajaye the apni bachchi ke liye unhone apni bachchi ka ना चेहरा देख पाए ना अपने गोद में खिला पाए ना कुछ पाए कुछ कर पाए साल लगने को है अभी तक हमारी नौकरी नहीं मिली 
हमें नौकरी मिलनी ही चाहिए इसलिए क्योंकि हम अपनी बच्ची का एक अच्छी से अच्छी परवरिश कर सकें और खुद भी अच्छा परवरिश अपनी फैमिली का कर बट हैव इंडिया एंड चाइना स्टाइज गॉन बैक टू बिजनेस एज यूजल वेल फार फ्रॉम इट वाइल नाइदर कंट्री हैज डाइवर्स द फुल डिटेल्स ऑफ द इवेंट दे ऑल्सो डिसग्री ऑन ईच अदर्स वर्जन ऑफ द इवेंट्स The center and prime minister Narendra Modi himself have denied any intrusion had taken place but Indian forces had in fact repelled an attempted intrusion but in China's version of the story Indian troops attacked Chinese officers and soldiers and demolished infrastructure along the LAC triggering the conflict the circumstances of the clash are still up in the air but since then a pullback of forces on both sides from the site of the Galwan clash was conducted in July 2020 and in February disengagement was conducted in the Pengongso Lake area however China is continuing to push back on the other disputed territories like the Deepsang place Kugrang River Valley Kugrang River Valley and the Chandring Nala this has also prevented Indian troops to patrol these large chunks of territory which they were able to earlier Vishnu Prakash who served as an ambassador in India's embassy in Shanghai and is the official spokesperson of the Ministry of External Affairs is of the opinion that we are back to base with China that there is a complete lack of trust and that business can't be back to usual well we are in a rather difficult phase of the relationship uh, likes of which have not been seen earlier except in 1962 uh, clearly the edifice of cooperation the understanding uh, the cbms etc have all been uh, thrown out of the window we are back to base if i were to put it that way and from here we have to take it forward now uh, what direction is goes uh, how it goes when it goes what shape does it take is anybody's guess but in long and short of it is that uh, there is complete lack of trust at least uh, we cannot trust the chinese we are also clear that uh, it cannot be business as usual we uh, i for one am very clear that uh, having served in china and following china for more than two decades that uh, china is will if it can will try to uh, stymie the rise of india and uh, does not see, does not see india as a competitor now but uh, in sees the prospect of india emerging as a major power and it will try its best to keep us boxed in in the south asian framework now india in the past has been able to detach the border dispute to foster its relationship with china and it did so exactly in 1993 when it signed the border peace and tranquility arrangement which clearly came crashing down in 2020 even though the indian china relationship has undergone a massive shift especially from the arrangements between the two neighbors on bringing large armed forces to the border there is no clarity on where the relationship currently stands and the way ahead Since the clash India has imposed several economic restrictions on Chinese companies in India and FDI from there as well it also banned 59 Chinese made apps which according to the ministry of IT threatened the sovereignty and integrity of India so should India take Galwan as a peg and get back to the drawing board and rethink its policy on China Mr Prakash opines that China has not followed any commitment that they have made to its neighbors and to the west He believes that China has only complicated the boundary issue and that for now treading carefully is the only way forward. Well let us look at the from where is China coming from. They believe that they are the mandate from heaven. Actually uh, or I, whether the top leadership believes it or not but that is the line that is given and uh, now with the mandate of heaven the 
the earthly things are a mere convenience. Uh, they don't think that they are bound by anything that uh, uh, has been committed to, agreed to, international rules, norms, rule of law, uh, because they believe that uh, you know they have to correct a wrong that has been inflicted on them. And uh, President Xi Jinping himself speaks of the great juvenation of the Chinese nation, uh, not, not realizing that practically every developing country has gone through a difficult period of colonization. So if this is the yardstick we have to follow, everybody should take to the gun. But uh, China is unique. And in that, they are becoming, their uh, belligerence is rising in direct proportion to their economic might and the military muscle. And perhaps it's the only country in the world which has got territorial or other disputes with 18, one, eight countries, mostly the neighbors. And uh, it is very clear when I say that they have not honored any commitment. I mean, look at what they've done in South China Sea. Uh, they, even President Xi Jinping and uh, Premier Le Keqiang had said that uh, they are not militarizing South China Sea. And lo and behold, one day, because everybody knew what was happening. And then they say that uh, whatsoever has happened there is for the, uh, to help in uh, navigation and freedom of navigation. Uh, International Court of, uh, International Arbitration Court gives an award in favor of Philippines, ignored. Treaties with India, ignored. So uh, this is, they use it so long as it is convenient and then develop an amnesia. Uh, so that is the problem with China because no rules of the game apply to them. In 1988, when Prime Minister Rajiv Gandhi visited, uh, went to China, and we uh, restored normalcy in the relationship, what we agreed was that there was a ma massive boundary issue, but we should not allow the boundary issue to come in the way of normalization and building of relationship. So in, in, in other words, it was not that first solve the boundary issue, but the premise was, understanding was, that let us at the same time work to resolving the boundary issue so that uh, essentially things will not should not go parallel but we don't let that hit, uh, that come in the way what they have done since 1988 is to complicate the boundary issue no forward movement in fact uh, they uh, have been laying claims to areas which were not claimed earlier and now they want to change the status quo ante by force. So resolving, instead of resolving the issue, they are wanting to use uh, violence and, and force to, uh, to uh, stake their claim on territory. They are two very, very different things. So it is something like terrorism and talks cannot go together. Similarly, you cannot keep nibbling away at our territory or attempt to nibble away, use force, and then expect us to say business as usual. So no, there, it is not business as usual. No, we, there is no change in India's position. And uh, I think the stance that has been taken is a correct stance. Despite these developments in Ladakh and the COVID-19 pandemic, the Indian-China trading relationship continued to thrive. In fact, China continued to be India's largest exporter in 2020. And in the first five months of 2021, trade soared by 70.1%. In dollar figures, that's a whopping 48.16 billion US dollars. However, there is a growing desire by the center 
to reduce economic dependence on China, especially in critical sectors like 5G technology, where the Department of Technology has excluded companies like Huawei and ZTE from participating in trials and even banned state-run telco BSNL from using Chinese equipment to upgrade their network bands. Manoj Joshi, a distinguished fellow at the Observer Research Foundation, states that India can't unilaterally detach itself economically with China, but needs to reduce its critical dependencies with it. See, you can't turn the clock back. You can't pretend that what happened last year didn't happen. And the fact that the what happened last year was a breakdown of the confidence-building measures, which is the 1993 agreement, 96 agreement, 2005 2012 border defense cooperation agreement. So all these things kind of uh, were violated. And uh, so we need we, if, uh, getting back. I don't think you can get back anywhere. You've got to move forward and shape new CBMs. Okay. Uh, start out afresh and say, okay, under, under the present circumstances, what do we do? Maybe we can create more uh, more border zones in the sense where there's no patrolling, neither side uh, uh, patrols, you know, uh, and um, there are some means of surveilling that area so that the, the clash will not occur, you see. So we may have to have new ideas here. That move, So as I said, there's no going back, you have to move forward. And uh, looking forward again, uh, what we've seen in the last two years is that there has been no decline in trade. That means that India still uh, needs China as a trading partner. Now, of course, there is this question, but at the same time, we need to ensure that we reduce critical dependencies. So if you, if, you know, if it's a matter of matter of importing uh, a sofa set or something, then it's okay, you know. But if there is a uh, of active pharmaceutical ingredients that you need for uh, critical drugs, etc., which you should ensure then. Uh, that those APIs uh, are manufactured in India itself, you know. So, like this, you can uh, take a more, uh, more uh, coherent and sharp approach towards your trading relations with China. But I don't think you can simply say that no, no, we are not going to trade anymore. Uh, that's simply not doable. Against the backdrop of China's intrusion in the South China Sea and the pandemic, China also became the focus of this year's G7 meeting. Though the comments from any countries did not directly confront China, the G7 did state that it strongly opposes any unilateral attempts to change the status quo and increase tensions. China was clearly the target in sight for many countries, especially on the economic front, where the G7 declared that it will adopt collective approaches to take on China's non-market policies and practices which undermine the fair and transparent operation of the global economy. Experts have noted that China's intrusion in Ladakh could be a result of India's growing relationship with the US and was clearly a show of dominance in the state. Given the pledges made in the summit, should there have been a more hardline focus by the G7 countries on confronting China on its intrusion? Mr. Prakash Vezin. Well, I have been a diplomat. I am a firm believer in speaking softly but carrying a big stick if possible. And you, you wave the stick, you do not wield the stick. But the words should always be soft because, uh, you know, soft words uh, shows your strength. Strong words show your weakness. And words do not scare anybody. It's very easy to use strong words. I have a diff different uh, point to make. I don't think that uh, the Western world 
is still, still clear in its mind as to who is the bigger challenge and adversary, whether Russia or China. And I think that, uh, you know, they are uh, trying to project the Russian bogey uh, very starkly, very strongly, and uh, somehow hoping that the Chinese dragon will go away. Because even uh, uh, President Biden, President Biden's administration has not described China as an adversary. They call it uh, the, uh, the biggest competitor or the strongest competitor. And President Biden has been on record to say that wherever there is a national interest, we will engage with China. I mean, do you engage with another, it's saying the obvious, right? You engage with another country in national interest. No country wants to, including European countries and America, wants to choose between China and another country. Everybody is continuing with their economic linkages. So I think it is the countries concerned have to make up their mind. Uh, smell the coffee. Words are not going to scare China. It's only if uh, there is a meaningful collaboration and that you don't have to uh, to try and uh, prove it, it will speak for itself. People, uh, the powers will discern whether you mean business. And at the moment, I don't get the sense that the requisite will is there. It is uh, more words. But yes, final point, the very fact that you have started talking about China being a challenge open, openly, starting to refer to China by name, I think that's an improvement, but we have a long way to go. Even after a year, we are yet to gain clarity on what exactly transpired on that day which led to the conflict. What can be ascertained, however, is that the decades-long and carefully constructed relations between the two countries have been completely uprooted and business is not going back to usual anytime soon. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We are available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.